Judges chapter 9 and verse 50. Then went Abimelech to Thebes and camped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and thither fled all the men and women and all they of the city, and shut it to them and gat them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came unto the tower and fought against it, and went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of a millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull. Then he called hastily unto the young man his armour-bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him, and his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech which he did unto his father in slaying his seventy brethren. And all the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbaal. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading from his word. We have been looking at the judges whom God raised up at various times over the space of several hundred years to deliver Israel from their enemies and lead the people with spiritual wisdom and judgment from the Lord. Most of these judges <clears throat> that we've been thinking about were men. There was one woman that we spoke about, a lady called Deborah, and she is named. And these judges judged during difficult times. And those judges that we've been thinking about, they led their people in battle against the oppressors of the children of Israel. There was a man called Othniel who fought against the king of Mesopotamia. Ehud also fought against Moab and Ammon, the Moabites and the Ammonites. A man called Shamgar fought against the Philistines. Deborah, as we mentioned, fought against the Canaanites. And Gideon, he fought against the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east. And while these judges were successful in their day, the recurring lesson is that the children of Israel were never content to continue worshipping the Lord. They were never content to worship God alone. But they were always ready to backslide and to worship the false gods and idols of the nations that lived amongst them and lived around them. 
This reminds us that the true spiritual Israel, even although we've been speaking about the children of Israel, the 12 tribes, the true spiritual Israel was always still just a small remnant people amongst the greater number of the nation Israel and the 12 tribes. We must not confuse the whole nation with the true spiritual remnant or think that Old Testament Israel were all followers of God and all men and women of faith. That was never the case. The Lord's spiritual kingdom has always been small. And whether from outside forces like the foreign nations, the Midianites and the Canaanites and the Ammonites and the Philistines and, and the, the Amalekites, whether these neighbouring nations or opposition from within their own people, the idolatry and the false worship, we find that the Lord's true people, the remnant people, the elect people, the true Israel, have always been small and they have always faced opposition from the powers of evil. Now, the past few weeks we've been speaking about Gideon and following Gideon's death, one of his sons, he had 70 sons, one of his sons, a man called Abimelech, seized power and ruled, we're told, for three years in at least part of Israel. So there was at least a part of Israel made this man king over them or ruler over them. I don't think he was a true king. I think he was a usurper, but he seized power anyway. And he is to us an example of evil. Abimelech was an evil king and an evil man. He was vicious, a vicious man who murdered all his brothers, 70 in number, with the exception of the youngest, a, a, a boy, a child called Jotham. And this young man, he was able to hide when Abimelech slew all his other brothers, we're told, on one rock. So it was a massacre. He, he massacred his own family in order to seize power and control and rule in the land. And at the end of three years, Abimelech's original supporters rebelled against him. And we read a few verses out of the story. We didn't read very much, but we read enough to see that Abimelech was able to put down this rebellion, but it was a rebellion of rebels anyway. And uh, these were not uh, uh, desirable people in the first place. And Abimelech chased them into a walled city. He stormed the city, he took control of it, and the people uh, fled to a tower 
perhaps somewhere in the heart of the city and there they made their final stand. And he chased them right up to the very door of this, the, the, this, this tower with the intention of burning down the door in order that he might gain access. And we're told that during the fight that took place, a woman dropped a piece of millstone, a hard, hard rock from the top of the tower and it struck and mortally wounded Abimelech. Abimelech knew that he was dying. He knew that he was a wicked man. He knew the testimony of God from his own father. But Abimelech didn't try to make peace with God. Rather, despite all of his sin, it was still pride that ruled this man's life. And he ordered his armour bearer to kill him so that it would not be said that he died at the hand of of a woman. So that's the narrative that we read about Abimelech. And I only mention that because Abimelech is a little bit of a link to the next group of judges. And after Abimelech, we learn of five more judges. These men were called Tola, Jer, Ibzan, Elon and Abdon. And there's next to absolutely no history recorded about these men beyond the fact that they were judges. And this reminds us that there was much that happened in Bible times about which there is no record. But more importantly, it reminds us that such things as are written in the word of God are written for a purpose. They are recorded in order to teach us about God's dealings with his people and his purpose to gather men and women into his kingdom on earth. Throughout history, from the very beginning, through this time of the judges, God has called his elect to faith and salvation according to his plan of mercy and according to his covenant of grace. And all through the centuries, God was setting in place what was needed for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the appointed time. So the fact that there is very little recorded beyond the names of these five judges reminds us that the history of grace is not the history of Israel. It's not the history of individuals. It's not the history of all the judges, but it is the work of God in gathering his people to himself by giving them faith and hope in Christ the Messiah. So even although these men are not spoken of much, I think there are some lessons about the littleness that is said that we might draw upon at this time. Here's what I want to leave with you today. 
while the facts of the Bible are important, the names and the places and the circumstances and the people involved, it is the message of Scripture that matters most. Now, the message cannot be independent of the facts, and I'm not trying to make a, a contrast here. But I am saying this, while all scripture is important, and Paul tells us that, Paul tells us in, uh, he's speaking to Timothy and he tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and all scripture is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. It's all profitable to us. But here's the point I'm making. People can know a lot about the Bible. They can even memorize and be able to quote large parts of it without ever truly understanding the true purpose of Scripture. And the Apostle John tells us what the purpose of Scripture is. He tells us in John chapter 20 verse 31, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That's why these things are written, that we might have life through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got a question. Do you have spiritual life? Do you have spiritual life? John was speaking when he wrote about this life, that we might have life through his name. He was speaking about his own gospel, the things that he had written in his own gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ. But just as he spoke about nothing being added from Scripture, added to scripture and nothing being taken from scripture when he wrote his book of revelation so what is said of one part of holy scripture applies to it all the things that are written in the word of God are written that we might know the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in him and might have life through his name. We love and we value the scriptures from beginning to end, but the power and the use of scripture when rightly divided and properly interpreted is to point us to Christ and lead us to the Saviour. So the fact that these men, Tola, Jer, Ibzan, Elon and Abdon are not spoken very much about isn't important. We don't need to know their history. We know sufficient in this scripture to lead us and point us to Christ. Here's another thing that we might say about this matter. When I bring these stories, these accounts, these uh, little lessons to you week by week. It's my purpose in bringing these passages, these histories, these accounts of the Lord's people. It's my purpose 
to show you how God has been at work in history, accomplishing his purpose of grace and peace in the hearts and lives of his people. It's not just a history lesson. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us that Gideon was a man of faith. And therefore Gideon was an example to us. Abimelech, on the other hand, who was Gideon's son, son of Jerubbaal, he is a warning to us. Abimelech was a murderous man, a murderous creature who slew his own brothers to achieve his ambition. And perhaps some of those brothers themselves had true faith. They were part of that spiritual Israel that were part of the larger nation of Israel. If that is indeed the case, then those brothers whom he slew are in heaven today enjoying the presence of their true king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Abimelech, on the other hand, is in hell today. And he, for those three years that he had as king before that woman took his life, for those three years and the ambitions that he had, he has been in hell ever since and will be for all eternity, separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, separated from the joy of the Lord. Abimelech shows us that grace and faith do not run in families. His father, Gideon, was a believer in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abimelech was not. And children are not saved because their parents are. We all need personally to know the Lord as our Saviour. We each must trust in the Lord for ourselves in our own lives. And here's the third thing that I want to just mention and then we will be through. Going back to these five judges whose names we know but whose lives we don't know anything about. Perhaps, perhaps Tola and Jair and Ibzan and Elon and Abdon. Perhaps they lived in times that were peaceful and there was nothing really memorable or important to report about their lives. I kind of doubt that, but we don't really know. But what we do know is this, that during all the years of these men's lives, God did not leave himself without a witness. God raised these men to serve him and to judge Israel, the nation at that time. For that spiritual Israel that he was calling to himself, those who were the elect amongst that people also, for those that were the church in the Old Testament, whom God called to eternal life, 
the true spiritual Israel of God, there was always a witness, always a testimony, always a judge. Whether it was Judge Tola, Judge Jer, Judge Ibzan, Judge Elon or Judge Abdon. There was always a testimony. There was always a preacher. There was always a judge to point them to Christ and to be an encouragement for the faith that had been implanted in their souls. We don't know who wrote the book of Judges. Maybe it was Samuel. We don't know why he didn't write any more about these judges than he did. And maybe you think that it would have been interesting to know some more things uh, about the lives that these judges lived. I'm sure it would have been. But there is sufficient here to lead us to Christ. And that's what matters. If you don't trust the Lord Jesus, why not? And if on Judgment Day you are called to stand before Almighty God and you don't have a saviour of your own, it won't be an excuse that there wasn't enough written in the Bible about Tola and Jer and Ibzan and Elon and Abdon. The message of the Gospel is here and we are called to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and by his name and his word and his works to find peace with God. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Amen.